Hey, good evening. Uh, I hope you are doing well. Welcome to this online gathering of Outfitter Church. If you're a guest with us for the first time, thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us this evening and, and for making this a part of your night. And I hope that it's purposeful for you. Um, we are currently coming towards the end. We are rounding third base in our Exiles series. Uh, we are now in the last chapter and we have this sermon and two more left. And, and, and I've loved this journey going through First Peter with you. And I think that we would all agree that, that God has used this text in our lives, especially with what's going on in our current situation. Uh, the message of First Peter is very much so that in the midst of suffering and pain, there is hope in Christ. Um, and so I just wanted to give a word to anyone who's, who's listening tonight that is just weighed down uh, by everything that's going on. Hang in there. Our hope is in Christ. We will endure. And so if you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 1 through 5 today. So 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. Now as you're turning there, I do want to just take a moment to say that if you do not have a Bible, if you're joining us and you do not own your own copy of God's Word, Please, if you're watching on Facebook or uh, on our website, whichever way, just message us. Communicate to us somehow. Um, give us your name and address, and we will mail you a copy of the Bible. Um, but for your own night tonight, um, please just download. Go to your app store and download the Version Bible app. It's free, and we use the CSB translation, the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, so anyways, it's a great free resource for you. Uh, join me, and let's read 1 Peter Chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as to the one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." And so now what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this passage. And Peter comes right out of the gate and he says, I exhort the elders among you. That word means um, to, to plead earnestly. And so he says, I'm pleading with you elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as to the one who shares in the, in the, in the glory about to be revealed. And so he says, I am I'm pleading earnestly. I'm begging um, with respect and dignity. I am, I'm pleading with you. Who's he pleading with? He's pleading with the elders among you. Uh, again, he's writing this letter to the exiled and persecuted Christians in Asia Minor. And so he says, I I'm writing and I I'm encouraging. I have a specific challenge for the elders among you. And so right off the bat, he's saying, elders, listen up. Uh, we're going to kind of define more of what an elder is as we go throughout. Uh, but, but suffice it to say for now that this is the leader of a group of believers. So a leader of a church. 
Uh, again, we're going to unpack that more as we go down. But he's saying, I, I am pleading with you elders as a fellow elder and as a witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as to the one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. So this is, um, for my study of this, this is one of the most self-revealing sentences in the entire book of 1 Peter. He does not say much about himself, but here he also says, he goes, hey, hey elders, listen up. I've got a word for you. I'm going to challenge you earnestly with something. Now I want to level with you. I also am an elder. So if you think about Peter, not only is he an elder, but he's an apostle, meaning that he walked with Jesus while Jesus was alive. He witnessed Jesus. He saw the sufferings of Jesus, and he saw the resurrected Jesus. And so this dude is, is an elder of elders, meaning there's not very many elders alive at this time that, that saw Jesus, uh, especially the elders leading churches throughout the area that saw Jesus in resurrection form. And, and so what's powerful about this is that Peter is saying, I've got, I'm pleading with you. I'm going to say something earnestly to you elders, but, but don't forget, I also am an elder. I also lead a congregation of people. I've, I've witnessed the sufferings of Christ, and, and I'm also one of those who's going to share in the glory that's about to be revealed. The glory about to be revealed, meaning that either when we die and see Jesus or when Jesus comes again, there's going to be glory in that. And so he, he's talking about uh, sharing in those types of, of glories. So he says, elders, listen up. I've got something to say to you, which, which I find is, is very interesting to me that, that Peter just spent uh, great, he went to great lengths to explain suffering, a, a theology of suffering. We talked about the word theology last week where a theology is, is understanding God in the midst of suffering. What is God doing in suffering? And so we, we spent several, or we spent a few weeks talking about why does suffering happen and what is God doing and all those. If you didn't catch those sermons, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. But he talks about suffering. He talks about how to be faithful to God in the midst of suffering. How God is with you in the midst of suffering. You can trust God in the midst of suffering. And then as soon as he ends his discourse on suffering, he immediately talks to the elders. And he wants to talk to the leaders of the churches. And as we unpack this further, you're going to see what he's doing. He's being very strategic these churches, these believers are going through some very tough times. And he wants to talk to the leaders that in the midst of tough times, it is time to lead and to stand firm for the gospel. And so he starts out, elders, listen up. Now, now read with me in, uh, in verse 2. Shepherd God's flock among you. We're going to pause right there. Okay, there's, there's a lot in that sentence. So he says, shepherd God's flock among you. Now that word shepherd is in the imperative sense, which means it can be translated, you must shepherd. Right? So, so he's starting, he says, hey, listen up elders, I'm going to exhort you. It means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead with you earnestly. I'm going to ask you an intense question or, or I'm going to challenge you with something. And so he says, you must shepherd. Well, well what does it mean to shepherd? Very literally, the, the word shepherd means to lead, to care for, and to provide for something. So, especially in the literal shepherding sense, you are to lead the, the flock of sheep, you are to care for the flock of sheep, and you are to provide 
for the flock of sheep that you have entrusted to you. And so he says, elders, listen up. Shepherd God's flock among you. So, so what we get out of this is that elders, elders must lead, care for, and provide for the church membership. Now, we're going to unpack the part about church membership here in a little bit, okay? But, so he says, shepherd, you must shepherd. So you must um, lead, care for, and provide for. Well, provide for who? It says, God's flock among you. So let's, let's keep digging into that. So first, first and foremost, as any elder, the people that you have in responsibility underneath you or with you or to your care are God's. Right? They, they, are, they belong to God. And that's, what, that's what Peter is getting. He says, so you must shepherd, you must um, lead, care for, and provide for God's flock. And we must never forget that, that Outfitter Church is not my church. This is God's church that, that I get to be the elder of. And, and that's what Peter is talking to them. He says, hey guys, don't forget, these are not your own people for your own possession. These are God's people. Which brings with it a huge weight of responsibility as an elder, a church leader. So he says, you must shepherd God's flock. And so this flock is, is uh, it was very traditional for, for Christians to be spoken of in, in livestock terms in regards to sheep. Uh, Jesus did this a lot. And the New Testament does this a lot. And so he says, you must lead, care for, and provide for God's flock among you. Now... This among you is really important. Um, so if, as you think about their specific context, remember they're, they're believers that were persecuted and they had to flee north into Asia Minor. So they've been spread out all across this area. And, and so um, they're new in this area. They're, they're very likely not, there, there was no other leaders before them. Um, no other elders there already. And, and so he's saying, shepherd God's flock among you. So there was this wave of Christians that were persecuted and forced into this area. And so he's saying to the elders, he goes, for all of those Christians that are now in this area, in this context and in your community, all the Christians there, I want you to take care of them. You need to lead, care for, and provide for God's people around you. That's what he's, he's calling to the elders to do. Now, shepherd God's flock among you. That, that's where we're, we're pulling out this, this point that we see in the text. And, and so what I said is that elders uh, must lead, care for, and provide for the church membership. Now, now, why do I make that distinction of church membership when the text just says among you? Now, again, knowing their context, they're new in this. They're, they're really just early stages of baby churches that are beginning. Uh, what we see throughout the rest of the New Testament is that when churches come, they establish elders, they have church membership. It's clearly defined. They also have deacons. And so as we see these things developing, I, I believe that I am perfectly within the faithfulness of God's word to be able to say the flock among you is the church membership or it would have become the church membership eventually. And so why am I saying that? Um, What's well, really helpful in our context as well to apply this text. In that, um, am I personally responsible as the pastor of Outfitter Church, the elder of Outfitter Church, am I personally responsible for every single Christian in the city of Barnun and the city of Casper in the metro area? No. 
this was a very unique situation. There's very few Christians in their community. Um, and so it was easy to say among you. But for me to then apply among you amongst Casper and Barnun would imply a, a lot of churches and a lot of different Christians, um, not all of which I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an answer for their souls. But in regards to Outfitter Church, the, the reason I say church membership is that in that context, the Christians among you would have been able to be counted, would have been able to be known, and would have been able to be uh, formally introduced with that body of believers. And so, uh, what we have in Barnun is, is, is we have Outfitter Church, people who have made a covenant, made a promise that they're official members of our church. This is why this is so important. Because if if Peter is, is saying, listen up, elders, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead with you earnestly, you must shepherd God's flock among you. Well, if the elder has the responsibility, the command from God to shepherd, to, to lead, care for, and provide for a group of believers, then they really need to know who those believers are. It's very important for the elder to fulfill his God-commanded role for him to know who it is that he's supposed to be shepherding. Church, this is why we emphasize, one of the very many reasons that we highly emphasize and highly prize church membership because what it does for, for the elder, for me, is it allows me to know the souls to whom I'm going to answer to God for. It, it, it enables me to know those people who have made the covenant. They said, Tyler, we, we make a covenant with this church, with this body of believers, that we're going to be discipled by you. We're going to be um, strengthened, encouraged, and corrected by this church. And we also are going to make disciples with this church. There is this formal understanding of those who are among us. And so that's a huge thing for our church. And so um, if you've been regularly attending our church uh, and our church gatherings, we, we really want you to consider membership. If you love Jesus and you're following Jesus, then what an amazing step to formalize that is so that we know exactly our expectations for you and your expectations for us. And we can relentlessly pursue Jesus and make disciples well together. Uh, again, this is a, one of the very many reasons why church membership is so essential in the Christian life and in the life of the church. And so he says in verse 2, Shepherd God's flock among you. And so what, what I think is so clear in that is that elders must lead, care for, and provide for the church membership. Uh, and, and what this is, is we see that God has provided an authority structure in which the people of God can be cared for, loved, and provided for. Uh, not abused, not used, not exploited, um, but, but known and cared for. And so it's a powerful uh, point we see in this text. Now, as, as we continue on, read with me. We're going to read this verse again and then further on. So he says, uh, elders, listen up. Um, elders, you must lead, care for, and provide for uh, the church membership. And then he says how to do that. So shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Peter's making a very clear point here that elders are to be examples, not injuries to the church. 
Did you catch that what he's saying here? You are to be elders. You are to be examples, not injuries, to the church. So look at what he, what he first says. He says, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. That word overseeing um, in, in the Greek it, it is synonymous with, um, with elder, with shepherd. Um, there's, there's, they use these words interchangeably, really. And so this word overseeing uh, is someone who held, an, uh, who held the office of overseer or elder or bishop within the church. Again, those are all synonymous with what we would call someone a pastor today. And so he says, shepherd God's flock among you, not pastoring them, shepherding them, and, and uh, being an elder over them out of compulsion or coercion, being forced to, but willingly as God would have you. Now, uh, it's really helpful in this, and, and I learned a lot about this text as I was preparing to preach it. What's really interesting about, about how they picked their elders, and, and why, would, why would a pastor, when times get tough, go, well, I don't really want to do this anymore? What I mean, we see that happening all the time. But why would you want to give up? Why would, you, why would, why would Peter have even said, shepherd God's flock among you, not shepherding them out of coercion or being forced to do so, but willingly as God would have you? Well, one of the things that these, this, these people were doing that we, we have record of is that um, when these Christians went into Asia Minor because of persecution, what they did is they would typically pick as an elder... Someone who was a veteran Christian, so they'd been a Christian for a long time. They were trying to pick believers that had been walking with Jesus for as many years as possible. Um, they also typically picked someone who was the head of a household. Um, and they, uh, as clearly th seen throughout the rest of Scripture, they would pick a man. And so, um, so typically these were older men who were picked by the congregation, picked by the church. And so... Uh, and we all know that when, when things are going, when someone elects you to do something and things are going really well, then we're all like, yes, I love my job. I love the fact that they've picked me to be the leader of them. Uh, this is phenomenal. God is good. But then um, when your entire society hates you and when, when uh, being a Christian is very unpopular and everyone in society and every form of government and every form of, of the neighborhood and the community, they're all wishing that you would turn away from Jesus and quit following him. It's in those situations that, that the elders would sometimes be tempted to or even do this whole, hey, I didn't choose to do this. You guys made me your elder and I didn't ask for it. And so therefore th this whole, I'm doing this out of coercion. I'm doing this because these people made me do it. Peter says, elders, that's not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be an example, not an injury to the church. So he says, not out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. I, I, I can't even <laughs> I can't begin to express how much I hate doing these online gatherings. It, it creates a whole lot more work for editing and for uploading and doing all of the stuff. Um, there's, there's no great option. Live has multiple things that could go wrong. Doing a drive-in service has things. There's always something that could go wrong. And so we've, we've, I've, I, I, along with our uh, temporary leadership team, have tried to make the best decisions, but, but none of them are perfect. And, and I don't even want to compare what we're going through with, with persecution and being hated for being a Christian. But... Um, as your elder, as your pastor, I just want you to know that 
that even though I don't like this season, I am still joyously glad that I get to shepherd the flock of God that is among me. Um, I love you, church, and I love being your pastor. And, and although this season is tough and annoying and frustrating, um, we're in it together. And, and, and so I'm grateful that God has given me that joy and kept that joy going in me. But that's what Peter is getting at. He says, pastors don't, or elders don't, don't lead your churches because you're being forced to do it, but do it willingly as God would have you. And, and oh, do I pray and long for the day where men in outfitter church would raise up and would go, I want to serve the Lord in this church. I want to serve this church by leading them as a servant leader, as an elder. I want to care for, I want to lead, and I want to provide for the flock of God that is called Outfitter Church. I long for those men, and I long for those men not to be men that would do it because they're being forced to, but because they're willingly, because they understand that even though there's an enormous weight of responsibility as being an elder, there is an enormous opportunity to strengthen the church here in Barnon and also plant churches and send churches and send support to all the churches all over the world. And really there's a huge weight of responsibility, but there's a huge opportunity for bringing glory to God and strengthening the church. And so, oh, how I pray that men in our church would rise up and men that we lead to Christ would rise up years from now and would be elders and leaders and, and would help us take the gospel all across our state. Moving on, he continues to say, um, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. You know, I, I, I remember that, uh, or before I tell that story, I'll say, that you don't have to look far, right? Starting yesterday, going back to the beginning of the church, it would be very easy for us to see in modern history and, and ancient history, corruption in the church when it comes to finances. And that's a really sad reality. And so, again, Peter is saying, elders, you were to be examples, not injuries. And I, I think back to whenever I was uh, a young pastor in Texas, uh, there was an elderly man that, that uh, moved into our neighborhood where I pastored, and I went over to his house and I said, hey, my name is uh, Tyler, I'm the pastor of this church, and I just want you to know that we're, you know, welcome to the neighborhood, and, excuse me, welcome to the neighborhood, and we would be happy to have you join us for any of our gatherings anytime. And he immediately said, well, you know, my daddy taught me that a preacher only wants your money and your wife. And to which I very quickly responded, um, well, my job pays me just fine. I don't need your money and I've got a beautiful girlfriend. And so I'm not interested in either your money or your wife. And, uh, and he just kind of laughed and we, 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 uh, we talked many, many, many more times on many different occasions. Uh, but that man never actually showed up to any of our church gatherings and, um, and you know, I, I know that he wasn't a Christian, and so that's one of the reasons that he didn't want to go to church, because he doesn't love God, he doesn't love God's people, he doesn't want to be there, so that's one reason. But I just thought, you know, I wonder if, I, I'm willing to bet that somewhere along the line, that there was a pastor in his father's life that was not an example to him, but was rather an injury to him. And that's why he passed down to his son a horribly dangerous and terrible lie that a pastor only wants your money and your wife. And again, that breaks my heart to think of him, and I hope that one day he would change his mind. Um, 
But nonetheless, Peter does have a strong word of caution to elders. And he says, elders, you're supposed to be an example, not an injury. And therefore, um, don't be an elder and shepherd your people out of greed for money, but eagerly. So as an elder of these churches, it was very common that, that they would have either been receiving um, wages for their service as an elder, which is biblically right. That's totally fine. Um, but then also, as an elder, typically you are the one that is involved in the facilitating and allocating of the funds that are sent in. And so as the church would give, as is uh, their worship through giving of their finances to the Lord, um, then the elders would work together on figuring out how to disperse that to the, to the needs amongst the church and to the furtherance of the gospel. And so... Um, Elders oftentimes are involved in the money and in the stewardship of the church's uh, finances and resources. And so what he's saying is that it's very easy for an elder to be caught up in this money and to start trying to use their authority and their position that God has given to them. Again, they've been entrusted with this. This is God's flock. And so he says, not, not to be greedy, but eagerly. Don't, don't utilize your your position and your authority as an elder to, to profit financially and, and for your own greedy gain. It's, it's not wrong that a pastor or an elder would be paid and compensated well. That's not wrong. Uh, we don't want to make all of our elders and pastors poor. That's, that's not a, a sign of maturity in, in the Christian life. Okay, but So it's not wrong for an elder to be paid and compensated well for his work, but it is always wrong when the elder is manipulating and using his authority to profit with greed and to take advantage of the situation in the church's finances for his own good. He says, rather be eager, meaning always chomping at the bit to do what you need to do, regardless of financially how it's ever going to impact you positively or negatively. Uh, and my hope to the Lord is that, that I would never have the love of money in my soul. And if the moment that I find that, I'm going to repent of it and get rid of it. Uh, my hope as an elder, uh, as a God-called man who's called to preach the word and to strengthen the church um, as an elder, I, I never want to be doing things out of greed for money, but I always want to be eager to serve the Lord. One of the things that we do when it comes to our finances as a church um, is we, we have a lot of accountability. Uh, multiple people sign our checks. Uh, our entire church sees our budget two weeks in advance before we even make uh, decisions to affirm it as a church and that that's how we're going to do things. Uh, we have a, I'm actually really, really honored with the budget that we have. Uh, there's lots of money going to, uh, to Medicine Bow uh, to help that church plant down there. There's money going to Kalispell, Montana to help out the church plant that's starting up there. Uh, any day now, when coronavirus is over, that church will be started. Uh, so I, I'm so proud to see the money that, that our church has allocated to put into Barnon so we can do outreach events, so that we can take the gospel there. Uh, I've, I'm just so proud of what the Lord has allowed us to do with lots of accountability and lots of transparency. Um, and so church, I hope that you'll know that, that the church that you are a part of, the church you are committed to, we, we want to be up front. We want everything to be above bar. No underhanded decisions that take place with the stewardship of what we do. Looking at verse 3 now, it says, continuing on with the whole examples, not injuries, he says, uh, so when you're shepherding God's flock, uh, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to 
the flock. You know what's crazy is that that Peter literally lived and walked alongside Jesus. And so he heard this teaching uh, of Jesus where there was two disciples. Their mother came up to Jesus and says, Hey, I, I, I want you to grant me something. I want my sons to sit on your right and left hand in the kingdom of God. And, and so as this whole thing plays out, uh, Jesus is like, Well, that's not for me to say. That's up for the Father. You know, yada, yada, yada. Well, then the, the other ten disciples get really irritated that they might possibly, just because they asked, they might get to sit beside Jesus in heaven. And they're like, Dad, gum it. And, and Jesus says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You see that the Gentiles, that they, their rulers, they lord it over them. That is not to be how you guys lead for the kingdom of God. He, and, and then he, I'm paraphrasing. And, and then Jesus says, but it's not about who has the highest status, but the highest status, but rather... The greatest among you must be your servant. He says, So the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. And so Christ gives us this, this paradigm shift that, that in the world we look at who can climb the ladder the best, who can have the most power, who can be the best, most powerful CEO and build His biggest kingdom and empire. No, Jesus says, If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, brother, you better get ready to die to yourself and live to serve other people and their needs for the kingdom of God. And so he says, uh, don't lord it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Again, thinking of their context, they're all new in this area. Nobody in that area wants them. Nobody likes their God. And they're persecuting them because of this God. And so what I think is, is amazing is even in the midst of all the chaos, what God does is He says, let's look at the authority structure and, and, and the, the how the church needs to operate. And then He calls out the elders to be examples, not injuries. Right? He tells them to, to shepherd willingly, to not shepherd for greed, and to never abuse their authority to, to make other people do stuff that they're not willing to do themselves. Again, that would earn these believers um, any ounce of res respect that's possible, but, but more than what the outside community thinks of them, it helps them to develop strength in unity so that they can outlast the persecution and continue glorifying God even amidst great trials and tribulations and hardship. And so it just makes me think of, of our early beginnings um, in this living room that I'm sitting in. I'm in the kitchen now, but just right over there is our living room. And that's where the, really this church was birthed is... Um, we, we sat here and we just prayed together and we read scriptures together and we, we got excited about starting this church in Barnum together. And one thing I remember saying through all of that is I will never ask you to do something that I myself am not doing. And so if I call on you to, to help with the teardown or with the setup, know that I'm there helping with those things as well. Or if maybe one day now everyone's tearing down so quickly, I don't even get to be there in time before they close the trailer and lock it up and say it's time to, to pack it up, which that's at the hangar. I know we're meeting online right now. But um, I've either done it or I'm currently doing it. I, I would never ask you to do something to serve this church that I'm not willing to do myself. And so, like I said, if I, if I ask you to help us with the setup or teardown, I'm going to be right there with you. 
Um, if, if I give you a call and we're talking about giving, please know that me and my wife are giving every single time that we can to this church because we're invested in it. Um, if, if, I, if we recommend a Bible reading plan to you, it's because me and, and uh, Paul and Shannon, our, our other leaders, um, we're all reading the scriptures as well. If we recommend something to you, it is because we believe in it and because we are also willing to do the same things as well. We never want to be people who lord it over, who who abuse and use our authority to get something from our church people. Um, and, and, and another thing is with transparent community and right relationships, our core values, we want to keep open lines of communication. If you believe that that's happening, tell me. Tell us. If, if I'm doing that, I'm going to repent before the Lord. If I'm not doing that, I'm going to explain to you why I believe that you're wrong. And, and maybe we can clarify um, what you think's happening and, and what's really happening. Uh, but there's open lines of communication. We don't ever, I don't ever, we don't ever want to be people that are leading you and, and, and extorting you for our own good. And so as we look at those three uh, key things that Peter says, we must remember that Elders are to be examples to the flock, not injuries. Now look at verse 4. And here's where the grace comes in. Verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Elders that serve well will be rewarded. But before we get there, again, a short trip down history and down memory lane would show us that a lot of elders have failed. And as I worked through this passage, when I came to this, I just said, thank you, God. Because it says, and when the chief shepherd appears. Meaning that uh, we are called to be shepherds. Elders are called to be shepherds. But guess what? We've messed it up. We've been immoral. We've been uh, we've been wrong and we've been unfaithful to the office that God has called us to. This is very clearly documented throughout history that we men are sinful and we fail. And so what, what's amazing about this is it says when the chief shepherd appears, this shepherd didn't fail. This chief shepherd is Jesus Christ, whom this whole book has been talking about, how he is our cornerstone, he is our everything, he's our example, and he's our endurance, and it's all in this chief shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. And so there's two things, two huge applications here. Is church, your pastors are going to fail you. Christ never will. Praise the Lord for that. And then to you who's listening to this, and you're, you're, maybe you're not a Christian, and I'm willing to bet again, if I was a betting man, I would say that um, you have been wronged by a pastor in some form or fashion. Um, and that has heavily influenced how you believe about God or why you don't believe in God or why you don't like churches. And can I just say, I'm sorry. On behalf of any and all Christians, if you've been wronged and un unjustly treated and unfairly treated by a pastor or an elder, I am so sorry that that happened to you. Clearly, as you see, God's design for this is that that's not the behavior that the elder should have. Now, let me, let me try and be evangelistic with you now. You see that God's design is for good. That the elder's not supposed to be an injury, but an example. That he's supposed to um, lead, care for, and provide for the flock of God. Uh, and that this is a command of God, that they are to be 
gracious and, and honorable leaders of churches. And so if you were wronged by one, you were, you were wronged by someone who was doing the exact opposite of what God has commanded them to do. And so one, the action that hurt you, God had already condemned that. That's not what God wanted to happen. And then let me also say that this chief shepherd, he was sinless. We just celebrated his anniversary of his resurrection on Easter. That, that Christ, he says, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. And so what I would encourage you, if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, that, that Jesus Christ is the ultimate shepherd. And he loves, he loved us so much that, that God's plan was for his son to give his life, to voluntarily lay his life down on the cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins, so that I could be forgiven of my sins. And so it's only in the cross, it's only in, in trusting what Jesus did in His death, burial, and resurrection that, that you can find forgiveness for you wronging God. Because I know that someone wronged you, and I'm sorry for that, but that doesn't uh, enable us to just ignore the reality of God, and so we still got to get right with God. And so the good shepherd laid his life down for you so that you could be made right with God, that you could be brought into the flock of God's people. And then it's when you find grace and forgiveness for your sins that God may give you the ability to then forgive and, and to be healed from the hurt that someone else did to you. And so if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, let me just say to you that the, the chief shepherd is coming back. Either you're going to die and meet the chief shepherd or, or he's going to come back before we're all dead. And, and at that time is when we're going to be judged for what we've done on this earth, whether we've trusted in the gospel or not. And so my encouragement to you is don't let what a sinful man did to you stop you from following the sinless God that gave his life for you. I want you to consider that. As we Oh, and then also... Again, it says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So he says, elders, listen up. And then he gives them a challenge that amidst persecution and pain and hard times, he says, be faithful and lead the people of God. Care for them and provide for them. And don't shrink back. Don't be afraid of the persecution. Be faithful. And so he's saying to them, if you'll be faithful, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory, that, that unfading crown is a gift that God would give to the elder and would say, you finished the race. You accomplished the task. And so he's reminding them, it is all worth it in eternity when you see what this labor of love, what this self-sacrificial, servant-hearted leadership of being an elder would achieve for you and that, that God gets to say, great job. And then you get to say, God, it was only by your grace I was able to do that. And so we praise God for that. So elders that serve well will be rewarded. So my, my question is, if you're a Christian and you're a member of our church, you're thinking through this, then do you desire to be an elder? I mean, it's a pretty tough call. But I would encourage you to read James chapter 3, verse 1, and, and read 1 Timothy um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Um, read through those. That's the qualifications of elders. Read that 
And if you still desire to be an elder after that, I want you to come talk to me because we've got a lot of training to do. And we've got a lot of cities that need churches. We need a lot of elders. We need a lot of people who are willing to preach the Word of God and to shepherd people uh, and, and help them to grow in their walk with Jesus. We need a lot of those men. And so I'm saying, are you, are you, is God calling you to that? Do you have a desire for that, to serve the Lord in that way? And then in verse 5 it says, In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so I know on all of these points we've said elders first, but now here in this one it would say church membership, submit to your elders and everyone be humble toward one another. So church membership, submit to your elders and everyone have humility towards one another. Now this word, when it says in the same way you who are younger, now that's weird. It's a weird wording. It's hard for us to understand just right off this page. We've got to think about the context. And so it says in the same way you who are younger, be subject to the elders. That word be subject means to submit. That's where I got my, my point. And so he says, so you who are younger, submit to the elders. Be subject to the elders. Now, is it talking about younger, meaning people who are just generally young in age? And then when it says be subject to the elders, is it talking about people who are generally just older in age? Well, no, it, it wouldn't make sense because using elders for just generally older people wouldn't make sense because the whole passage is talking about the, the office of a leader of the church. So that's not what elder means. But then, if it's only the younger people who are sub to submit to their church leader in the form of the elder, then does that mean people who aren't in the young category don't have to submit to the elders and to the leaders of the church? Well, that doesn't seem like it would make very much sense either. And so, again, remember that the people who were typically picked as elders were uh, veteran Christians who had been a Christian for a long time, so more likely they were older in age. They were heads of households, which was typically meant that they had a family and they were then older in age. Uh, and then they were also men. And so typically what was happening is that older, long-time Christian men were the elders of the church. And so it seems as if very likely, and, and I would argue that what Peter is saying is that when he says, you who are younger, is referring to anyone in the category of not an elder. Not someone who has been elected by the church to lead them. Uh, like I said, again, they were typically picking older aged men who'd been Christian for a long time. And so if you weren't selected as an elder, likely you were younger. And so he's saying... Um, all of you who are younger, which means everyone in the church. So he's saying all other believers, so church membership, be subject to submit to the elders. And then he says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so God gives us this awesome balancing act of authority here. So right there he says, church, submit to the leaders that I have put in your place. Submit to them, which means trust them, support them, pray for them, encourage them, and default to their leadership. It's a good thing. It's a biblical thing to submit to the leaders of your church. Why would you be a member of a church if you don't trust your leaders? And so, uh, so he's saying, submit to them, trust them. Then he says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so to the elder that might be tempted to think that he's more important then the rest of the church, God says, I, 
I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. And so the elders are to self-sacrificially and servant-heartedly lead the flock of God among them. And so the, the church membership can trust that the elders are self-sacrificially leading them, not being greedy, not, not being um, unholy with their leadership, so they can trust it because they're being humble towards them. And then the church membership is humble towards the leadership, saying even in times where we may disagree on stuff, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to trust you because I see you pursuing the Lord. I see you trying to serve us for the betterment of this church congregation. And so... Uh, because God resists the proud, I'm not going to be against you. I'm going to trust you because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. What an amazing word to the church. And again, it's right in the midst of finishing up talking about suffering and persecution. And then he goes to the structure and the authority of the church. Well, God inspired Peter to write that. And I, I believe that because when the church is functioning well together with trust, with unity, then we're strengthened. We see the gospel at work. We see love of God at work. We see unity and we're strengthened and it enables us to withhold or withstand anything that could come against the church to try and stop it. So church, let's be obedient to this passage. And as your sole elder, I'm striving to be the type of elder God calls us to. I also want to just say thank you to, to Paul Burris and to Shannon Eli. Um, they're on what we have is called a temporary leadership team. Uh, we're still young in, in our life of the church, so one day we will have elders and we will have deacons. Um, and in, until that time, we have uh, a temporary leadership team, and Paul and Shannon are doing they're neither They're not elders or deacons. It's, it's, it's an unofficial role right now. Um, but they're doing a lot of elder work and a lot of deacon work, and they're doing a lot of work to serve you and to love you. And so be sure this week just to give them a call or a text and just tell them thank you and tell them well done because they're being very faithful to the Lord. Um, and and it, that's a huge blessing to us. And so be sure you thank them for that. Um, but church, let's, let's be a church that obeys this in regards to elders I want to be faithful to the Lord. And in regards to trusting the elders and, and submitting to the leadership of that, I, I hope that our church will be faithful in that. And you guys have done such a great job and absolutely amazing honor to be your pastor. And I love the unity that our church has. Um, so thank you for that. I know that that's been a hard... That, it takes work to have unity. And you guys are working faithfully in that. So great job. Keep it up, church. Now as we close, I just want to come back to the challenge I just gave to the non-Christian. It's very likely you've been hurt and injured by a pastor rather than having them as an example to you. My challenge to you is, are you willing to let the sin of a sinful man keep you from the sinless God that gave His life for you? Christ says that He's the chief shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And He laid His life down for you so that the wrath of God on my sin and your sin could be absorbed in Him and that He would then give His right